Hey, thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Relevant Church. We are so thrilled and excited to see what God has planned for your life through this message. We know you're going to enjoy it. Sit back, relax. God bless. How are you guys doing tonight? Yes, I'm scared to death. So if I stutter, stammer, start sweating, don't judge me. I'm going to pray one more time just because I want to I pray real quick. Lord, please come into this house and just uh, send your spirit that you promised will comfort us and give us strength, Lord. Uh, this is all about you, Lord, and help us to focus on your message, Lord. Thank you that you can, you can empower the weak, empower the people that aren't worthy uh, to speak your word, Lord. Uh, be with us tonight in these moments. In your name I do pray, man. I have a question. Do any of you... Remember your first favorite restaurant. Like, think about it. when you were a kid, the first favorite restaurant when you were a child. Think back. I'm not talking about the place your parents took you regularly, like McDonald's, Burger King. I'm not talking about the common spot. I'm talking about that one special place that when you arrived, your stomach was like, yes. Your heart, your heart was like, oh, this is happy land. You, any of you guys have that place? Yes. No, come some of you, they didn't have restaurants, but they, they, you, yes, some of you, campfire, okay. Some, some people that may not have had that opportunity when they were younger. When, when I was younger, I remember my first favorite restaurant was this place called Duff's. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and Duff's was this hearty American, down south, loving type place to eat. Family restaurant. There was, there was a very unique characteristic about Duff's. It had, had a, cool, a cool personality quirk. See, Duff's was an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? Now, now I know what you're thinking. Oh, ha, 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 real funny. But, but we all know what a buffet is now. But I, I'll be honest, my first time going, I had no clue what a buffet was. Now, I, I had dreamt of a place where the food was unlimited, but I, I didn't know they existed. You know, like, like I, 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 I had wished, like, oh, Lord, is there a place? <laughs> we walk in to the double doors. We walk in. There's a hallway. There are more double doors. We walk in, and, and awaiting for us was a cashier standing there. Cashier looked at my mother. How many? My mother paid for four, and I kind of got a little panicky. I was like, wait, hold on. What? What? Why, why are you paying now? Because my understanding was the order goes, you seat, you order, you eat, you pay, you leave. I'm like, why are we paying right now, Mom? I don't know what I'm getting. I was kind of panicky. Now, my mother, she looked back, and she saw that I was a little fidgety, and she kind of grinned at me and laughed to herself like there was an inside joke. She said, just follow me. She goes down the hallway. My siblings follow her. I'm following behind, and the cashier looks at me and says, yeah, you just going to go down there. Because it was the South, and that's how they talk down South. They talk like that down South. And... I remember I'm going down the hallway. It's not that well lit. We're walking down. We're edging the walls of the restaurant. We're taking, we're taking turns. It's the longest hall I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm kind of like, what am I getting into in my eight-year-old self? And I, and I notice as, as, the, as the walk continues, I start to smell this aroma. It starts getting warmer. There's this delicious scent. And as, as we turn and, 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 the, and the doorway opens, I see behind, behind this stack of clean plates was this, ah, 
this glorious bar of full of food, mountains of fried chicken, rolling hills of mashed potatoes, a sea of gravy. I can do this all day. I was like, oh my, I was like, are you serious? And I was like, mom, mom, how much of it can I have? And she was like, baby, you can have all of it, right? Right. Now, now she might not have said it like that, but that's how I heard it. And at that moment, I didn't realize it, but at that exact moment, I had found my happy place. And it was amazing. I was like, mom, mom, I, I, so what do I do? She's like, all you do is when you're finished with your first plate, get another clean plate, go back and keep it going. Like she was encouraging this, you know. I'm pretty sure if she would have known this would have led to my eating disorder, she probably would have taken me home for a salad, but it's not my mom's fault. God bless her. She's a great woman. (laughs) That was my happy spot, and my mother knew it. And that was the trump card. Growing up, if she wanted me to do anything, finish your chores, do the laundry, wash the windows, fix the roof, mow the, mow the yard. And this is down south in the 80s. Yards were huge back then down south. You could die in your backyard down south. It was just crazy. But I knew that that, that that was the one place that that piece of contentment was, that happy spot. And she knew it. She took full advantage of it. Think, think about it, that happy place, your first real happy place. And now as an adult, you know, I think to myself, okay, I'm 35. I remember that happy place because deep down in my heart as a human, my whole purpose is seeking happiness, right? Like think about it. Think about it. You all have a place that is happy right now. It could be shoes. <laughs> could be shoes. No, not shoes. It could, it could be a car. It could be a, a dream home. It could be a relationship, It could be a game. It could be a collection of basketball cards you've had since you were a child. There's something that motivates your heart, that speaks to it, that that takes your heart to that happy place. That That is every human's motivation. You turn on the television, what are we sold? Product to make us happy. You know, get this car, you'll be happy. You'll get the girl, you'll be happy. Work for this degree to get this job so you can have money and be happy. Take these pills, do this, do that, chase it, chase it, chase it. Happy, that is our love language. And see, Christ knew that. And when Christ was on the mount, he was speaking their language. He, was, he, he had their attention from the jump because he said, blessed. And see, back then, the, the very simple translation, before you get really smart and the, theological about it, blessed just simply means happy. Happy is the man that is poor in spirit. What? Happy is the man that mourns. Are you serious, Christ? What are you talking about? Happy is the man that is meek. Or as Scott said last week, who, who yokes up with Christ and lets Christ take the load. Like, how, how can you find happiness in not controlling yourself? What are you talking about, Christ? I'm listening now because now you have my full attention. And when he got to the fourth beatitude, I'm sure everyone was like, if this guy says something crazy one more time, I'm, I'm leaving this mountain. I'm, I'm, out, I'm, I'm up out of here. And he gets to the fourth beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And finally, it's kind of like <laughs> there's a point where there's some glimpse of positivity. It's like, okay, okay, I can see that chase, righteousness, be satisfied. All right, all right, cool. I'm sure if I was in the audience, I was like, finally, says something that might have made sense. Now, granted, he wasn't speaking their language. He was speaking his divine language. He was speaking in their terms, and that's what kept their attention to his words.
See, see, happiness is the great question confronting mankind, right? The first three Beatitudes were mostly painful. See, becoming poor in spirit involves death to yourself. Mourning over sin involves facing up to your sinfulness. Becoming meek involves surrendering all your power to God's control. That's, that's like smacking a human's pride in the face, right? The fourth beatitude, like I said, it, it gives the idea of when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be satisfied. So when we put self aside and we give all our power to the Lord, we're given a great desire for righteousness. See, the more we put aside what we have, the more we're going to desire what God has. Take, it, take away what's blocking you and see what's divine. That's what Christ was really saying. <clears throat> Four things really got my attention in this text. First of all, happy. You tell me I'm going to be happy, I'm listening. Hunger and thirst. Not, not a huge fan of hunger, but we'll cover that later. Righteousness. Okay. I, I, I like to think I'm pretty righteous at times, most of the time. And then satisfaction, the one thing I've never been able to get. These four things caught my attention. See, Jesus was speaking of a strong desire. When he talks about hungering and thirsting, he's speaking of a strong desire, of a driving pursuit, of a passion force inside of our souls. It has to do with ambition. It has to do with the object of, of, of honor. It has to do with obeying and glorifying God and, and partaking of his righteousness. That was, the, that was the heart of where Christ was going. So let's look at these terms, righteousness. Christ says, blessed or happy are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're the only truly happy people. If you're hungering and thirsting after God's righteousness, you are truly happy because you've put your selfish nature aside. You're now seeking him. Now the whole world, like I said, is seeking happiness. No question. Everybody wants to be happy, right? Is there anyone here that says, ah, <laughs> that happy stuff is for the birds. I'll be, anyone? There, there's a few folk, and we don't hang out with those people regularly. They're, they're called the Debbie Downers, the folks that ruin the party. They're the guy that sits there and is like, oh, this, this sucks. That's, no one wants to be around that guy except maybe the other guy that's like that guy. Everyone wants to be happy. Everything is designed for our happiness. But here's the reality. As we seek to find happiness in our lives, the truth is we never get there. We never get there. The happiness we think we find, it's never really there. But think about it. Real talk. That thing, that item, that object, that place that used to give you full satisfaction, does it really satisfy you anymore? Your first restaurant, like I'll be honest, I've probably had about 45 to 50 different favorite restaurants in my 35 years on life right? Duff's isn't it anymore. It used to be that pinnacle place, but then I found something new. I found Po' Folks. <laughs> then I found Shoney's. Then my mother took us to White Castle. Then we went to Crystal's. Then we went to Taco Bell. Then we went to McDonald's. And literally, my favorite happy place just changed. Mexican food, Italian food, Indian food. Right now, my favorite restaurant is this Ethiopian spot down in the O.C., <laughs> And I love it so much because every time I go, the pastor pays for it. It's like, oh, I love this. This is great. John, can we go to our favorite restaurant? I, I'll eat with my hands. I says, God, you, you can pay for it. It's great. Think about it. 
You've probably changed your happy passion quite a few times this year. Something that, that maybe back at maybe back Christmas time or, or, or Thanksgiving that might have been the it, it's kind of fading now. Because the fact is, everything we place in that happy spot eventually fades. It doesn't last, right? See, Christ was talking about a happiness that lasts. It's not a happiness that disappoints, that fades, that, 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 that takes away. It's a happiness that actually enhances because it's consistent. It doesn't go anywhere. And, that, and that's what had everyone's attention. They're like, oh, wait, so you mean you're selling me something that's going to work? See, see what the, what's, what's the matter, in my opinion, is I, I think the answer is we've never really truly understood the text. So he says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Like, what does this mean? Think about it. What does that really mean to you? Jesus is not saying that we are to hunger and thirst after happiness. No. That's not at all what he is saying. Don't, don't get it twisted. He is not saying hunger and thirst after happiness. But that's what we're all doing. Every single one of us, we're thirsting after happiness. That's what we're all doing. I go to the gym every day. I'm like, if I could just lose some more weight, I will be happy. If I could just, if I could somehow get more, if I could, this hair down the line that's thinning, if I could just somehow get this hair. Remember, John? Back when we were in high school, it used to be, if we could just get some connection in our mustaches and we'd get mascara and draw it in like, ha, ha, I'm a man. And then, and then we end up hugging somebody that has a white shirt on and then there's like a black goatee on their shirt and you're like, I gotta go. <laughs> See, we put happiness and being blessed as the one thing we desire. And then, then what happens, we always miss it. We never get it. And see, here's what it is. According to scripture, Happiness is never something that should be sought directly. It is always something that results from seeking something else. See, according to scripture, <laughs> happiness is never something that should be sought directly. It is always something that results from seeking something else. Righteousness. Righteousness. Christ said righteousness. He didn't say seek after these stuff, these things, whatever you've created in your mind as that place. Seek after my righteousness. Just focus on that. Because guess what? When you're in my righteousness, you know who's going to be there waiting for you? Happiness. One of, one of my favorite uh, musical philosophers, Mr. David Grohl, is the lead singer of a praise team called the Foo Fighters. And one of my favorite Foo Fighters songs is All My Life. The first time I heard it, I was like, this is my story. Are you serious, David? It opens up saying, all my life I've been searching for something. Something never comes, never leads to nothing. Nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close. Closer to the prize at the end of the rope. And it goes on describing this, this constant pursuit of chasing, but never finding, never being fulfilled, never getting satisfied. And the last chorus goes, I'm done, done, on to the next one, done, done, and I'm on to the next one, done, I'm done, and I'm on to the next one. Like, I've never been satisfied. I'm, I'm continuing the search. And it's almost like this hopeless reality, I'm never going to get it, but this is what I'm stuck doing. Can you relate to that? Like, you're in that rut of what, like, like... I could have swore this would bring me happiness. I, I could have swore that was, let, let me, maybe I should chase it harder. You know, I, I, I'll do, I, I remember I tried doing two a days for about a day. And I was like, this whole working out twice a day is just not, no, I'm not, this, this no. 
I'm sweating right now sitting down. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know. The, 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 the one thing I can say the world is seeking for happiness, that is the meaning of its pleasure mania. That's the meaning of everything men and women do. Not only in their work, but even more so in their pleasures. But we never find it because when we put happiness before righteousness, we're, we're guaranteed to be doomed to misery. Guaranteed. That's the great message of the Bible from beginning to end. They alone who are truly happy are the ones who are seeking to be righteous. You put happiness in the place of righteousness, and you're never going to get it, never going to get it, never going to get it. Okay, I'm the, probably, oh, you, oh, you, never going to get it, never, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I used, to, I used to have a crush on the entire Invogue group. I remember that group. That was all of them, yeah. See, a self-seeking approach to happiness is the core of sin. That hit me in the chest. I was like, oh, my goodness. A self-seeking approach to happiness is the core of sin. Whenever your motivation for happiness is to please you, welcome to sin. That's crazy. Isaiah 14, 13, and 14, Lucifer was not satisfied living in God's glory. Right? I imagine being able to chill out with God. Where you're, where, you're, where you're naturally beaming and bright just because he's there. And yet that didn't satisfy Lucifer. So what does, he, what does he say? He says in his heart, I will ascend to heaven and I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. What? We do that though. Let's be real. Whenever we're self-seeking, that's what we're doing. So don't say, oh, Lucifer, you're, I'm, not, I'm not that kind of a sinner. Yeah, you are, actually. If you're doing that, Nebuchadnezzar, or as I call him, King Kenny. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. He ruled Babylon, the greatest of all the empires in that time. The greatest of all those empires, he ruled them. One day he's walking on the roof of his palace and he gets caught up in how great he is and says to himself, <laughs> is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself has built, have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? You know, like basically I'm pretty sure after that point, after that thought crossed his mind, he pulled out his iPhone 5, <laughs> took a couple quick shots, threw it on Instagram, which simultaneously hit his Facebook feed. Then he probably pulled up his iPad mini, sat back and waited for the comments and likes to come up. Oh, I'm the only one that does. <laughs> you guys have been saved for a while. You guys don't struggle with pride. <laughs> I'm on your Facebook pages. I see your new cars. I'm like, oh, I wish I had that too. Ugh. Sometimes we get caught up in our own hype. We just want to praise ourselves. Ooh, look, look, look at this great thing that happened. And it's one thing to celebrate successes and, and, and give the honor and glory to God. But the moment you kind of take him out of the equation and it just becomes about you, consider this a Nebuchadnezzar moment. You know, why, why do we need each other's approval if, if, if we're not seeking the righteousness of God, right? Like, like, like that's why. It's, it's your heart is wanting to satisfy yourself. God says, no, seek me, your happiness will come naturally. But we don't do that. There's the parable of the rich farmer, right? You remember this parable? 
all his crops came in, 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 and he got all his crops, and he had an overabundance of crops. He's like, oh, let me, let me tear down my current storage houses to build larger ones. And as, he's, as this thought passes his mind, he thinks to himself, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, drink, and be merry. Then he probably hired a DJ, sat back, had a few drinks, and was just chilling. And then God showed up. He said, you fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. Now, who will even own what you have prepared? So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Three examples. Which one can you identify with? I, I cannot identify with all three. What about you? You know, Lucifer hungered for power. Nebuchadnezzar hungered for praise. The rich fool hungered for pleasure. Because they hungered for the wrong things and rejected God's good things, they forfeited both. It's like, what? Well, hold on. You mean, God, you mean to tell me that, that, that if, I, if, if, if I seek happiness from, from if, if I desire happiness in power, praise, and pleasure, but I seek you first, if I seek your kingdom first, all these things will be added to me? You mean if I seek you first, the happiness I think I'm going to get from power, I'll get from seeking you? The happiness I'll get from pleasure, you'll provide? Oh, wow. Wow, that's, God, you're, that, that kind of floors me because we say that verse a lot. But do we really know what that means? Do we apply that? Do we believe it? See, we're not meant to hunger and thirst after experiences. We're not meant to hunger and thirst after being blessed. If we want to truly be happy and truly be blessed, we must hunger and thirst after righteousness. We must not put being blessed or happy and experience in the first spot. That is something God gives us. So, 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 so the second part of this verse that caught my attention, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. I don't like that word, hunger. I don't. Hunger implies time has passed. Hunger implies I got hungry about 11 and it's 6 p.m. now and I haven't eaten. Hunger implies that I'm in some kind of pain. Hunger implies I have a headache because I haven't eaten. I'm annoyed. I'm, 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 I'm PO'd as they say. Hunger implies that now my entire body is longing to be satisfied. When I was hungry, I could have kept doing what I was doing. You know, I, I, my attention can still be placed elsewhere. But the moment I become hungered, everything in my body, mind, and soul is wanting to be satisfied. You want to be fulfilled. You want to be brought back to feeling normal. Any of you guys get hangry? I learned that term when I moved out here. One day, Emily was driving around, and I, I'd maybe been here for three weeks, so it was still that whole, hey, we don't really know each other, so let's be polite. All right, cool, and yay. And, and she was driving, and it was, about, it was about three. And I hadn't eaten since the night before. I told myself, I'll skip breakfast. I'll eat around noon. I'll be good. It's three, and I'm starving, right? Like, I no longer have energy to fake it. Like, that's what hunger does. Hunger does not account of all your energy and says, ah, you can't waste any more energy. You have to focus on satisfying this. So all of a sudden, the walls came down. And she was like, Urs, are you hangry? And I was like, no. (laughs) She usually comes with food when we hang out. She's like, all right. But yeah, hunger is, is to the point where your, 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 your whole pursuit, your whole purpose is to satisfy that urge to be fed, to be restored. 
Jesus is saying a man who is hungered is conscious that he is in need. It's a deep need. It's a desperate need. It's a need even to the point of pain. When you're hungering and thirsting, your whole body is focused on what you're hungering after. And God says, if you put my righteousness there, your life will be fulfilled. You'll get the happiness you're seeking. I, uh, in January, uh, I hit nine years doing, doing comedy. Um, and when I started back in Lincoln, uh, the, first, the first few months I started doing stand-up, it was, it was literally just for whatever, no real purpose. But then about six months in, one of my mentors was like, look, dude, you, you might be able to do something here. But you need to step up your game. You're not hungry. You're, you're, you're not passionate about growing in, 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 in your area. You're, 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 not, you're not being diligent. So literally, I, I cut off everything that didn't have to do with comedy. That became my focus. Every Monday, I called John 37 times between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. He hated Mondays because Mondays was open mic night. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, hey, what do you think about this? What if I said this? What if I did this? What if I did this? Earth's great. It got to the point where he ignored all my calls after eight. I was hungry. I was taking risks with my jokes. I was doing things. I was saying, I have to set myself apart. I have to focus on this comedy dream. All I did was watch Comedy Central and go to shows. I was hungry. I was pursuing. If they wanted me to drive 14 hours in a Greyhound bus to do five minutes of stage time, I did it. I didn't ask any questions. I was after it. One time I rode 16 hours on a Greyhound bus, got to the spot, got up on stage, and within a minute and a half, they were booing me off the stage. Right? It was horrible. And I, and I walk off the stage all sad, and the host gets back on and says, he rode 16 hours on a Greyhound for that. <laughs> and then he went on for 20 minutes and made fun of me. And I'm in the backstage just crying, watching the show like, oh, was, that was funny, but it's about me. <laughs> And the very next night, I was on stage again, and my manager called me. She said, you can now call yourself a comedian because you are demonstrating hunger. You've had a failure. You've had the one thing every comic fears happen to you, and you're still pursuing. But, but, but what happens? I got to a level of success in my own little mind, and I, and I stopped pursuing. I got complacent. Didn't write any new jokes anymore. I had my set, and my set's funny. I'm going to go out on the road with this set, and I'm not going to dedicate any more time to it because I, I, I got booked, so I must be good. And all of a sudden, guys that used to open for me, now I'm like, can I open for you? Because I lost my hunger. My passion, my passion went down. It literally stopped. See, Scripture says we need to hunger and thirst. We need to always consistently chase and, and continue to do it. Continue to chase. Psalms 42, 1 and 2 says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as a dry and weary land where there is no water. Like, like you, you get that? Like, literally, you are all I'm thirsting for. It's a desperate situation. You're the only one that's going to fix it. It's you, O God. <sighs> Hunger will get you to do some crazy stuff, right? Think about it. You, you've probably agreed, like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll wash dishes for a week if you, I'll do this. I mean, all the things you've probably done when you're hungry, when you're hungered, when you're desperately needing a meal. The prodigal son, he got hungry. What did he do? 
He went to the swine. He went to the pigsty. He ate the husks with them. But when he started starving, he went to his father. That, 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 that blows me away because I've, I've, that just blows me away like, wow, you're right, God. I need to, I need to be seeking you this way. Because what, what if the prodigal son says is, man, the only thing that's going to fix this situation is my dad. That's, that, that, God is, isn't God great? See, while Jesus is saying this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why is he saying it? Because naturally, if they do that, they'll be filled. It's very, it's, it's very simple. We're, we're the ones that make it complicated. We'll be satisfied. We'll be given what we desire. That's the whole gospel right there. That is where the gospel of grace comes in. It's entirely a gift from God. You will never fill yourself with righteousness. You will never find blessedness or happiness apart from God, period. To obtain this, all the fitness he requires is to see, you, you, to see that you have a need for him, for you to understand you have a need for him, for you to passionately seek after him in that need. This hunger and thirst is lived out in two ways. It's twofold. See, the, the first hunger and thirst really, 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 really applies to when we're seeking to get saved, that salvation we find when we're, when we're seeking God. John three sixteen says what? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Boom. That's the, that's the salvation. That's that first hunger and thirst that immediately gets satisfied when we accept Christ. The second part is where we become complacent. Oh, I'm a Christian now. I, I know a few verses. I can, I can, I can quote. I have a great commentary at the house. I, <laughs> we stop writing new jokes. We get complacent in our set. We, we know how to talk about grace a little bit, and we can, we can wax poetic here and there. And all of a sudden, the hunger dies, and, 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 and so does our chase and pursuit after Christ dies. See, hungering and thirsting is a continual process. It's not supposed to stop. You're, you're never supposed to say, God, you know what? <laughs> I'm full. <laughs> what? Really? Moses was never satisfied with God. He never was. He hungered and thirsted and hungered and thirsted, and God was like, here you go, Moses. And Moses was like, thanks, God. I need some more. Here you go, Moses. Thanks, God. I need some more. Here's some more. And they literally went back and forth, and Moses was never satisfied. And in his dissatisfaction, he became satisfied. In his continual pursuit for God, he was satisfied by God because he never stopped hungering. Hunger and thirst is supposed to be your motion in life. It's what keeps you focused on, on, on God's righteousness. When you start to coast, you don't coast as a Christian because usually when you coast, you lose speed, you get distracted, you go off course, and oh, here I am trying to pursue my own stuff again. It's a continual, continual process. See, God never runs out. That's the point. If God were a gas gauge, it would just be an F. All right. So. <clears throat> I'm sorry, what, Pauline? This isn't television. I can talk back. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, this is crazy. He can hear us. <laughs> That's crazy. <clears throat> What is this righteousness Christ was teaching on the, on the Sermon on the Mount? Some would say the word righteousness, righteousness refers to justification. 
The Apostle Paul uses it like that in Romans where he writes, the righteousness of God, which is by faith. There he is talking about justification. And in such cases, the context will generally make it perfectly plain to us. Very often it does mean just that, justification. But here, I'm going to suggest it means a little more. The very context in which we find righteousness mentioned insists that righteousness here not only includes justification, but sanctification as well. In other words, the desire for righteousness, the act of hungering and thirsting for it, means ultimately the desire to be free from sin and all its forms, and even in its very manifestation, all of it. Do what? Yeah. Basically, it's like, never mind. So basically, Jesus is saying it means to, to desire to be free from sin because sin separates us from God. It means it's the desire to be right with God. It's, 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 it's the desire to, 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 to literally have nothing blocking your relationship with God. It's wanting to be back in the same relationship that we were originally created in. See, I will go ahead and say the, the trouble with our world today is because we're not right with God. But the, the, the truth is, you're not right in your walk because you're not focusing on God. I suffer from the same thing. Don't feel called out. We're, we're all in the same boat. We all need him equally. That's the teaching of the Bible. So the desire for righteousness is the desire to be right with God. A desire to get rid of sin because sin is that which comes between us. So the man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness is the man who sees that sin and rebellion have separated him from the face of God. And he longs to get back into that old relationship. This is the relationship that we need to desire. This is the relationship Christ was teaching that we need to have. It's basically like when we, when, when we realize what it means to be poor in spirit and to mourn because of the sin within, we naturally come to the stage of a longing to be free from the power of sin. It means the desire to be free from every desire of sin because we find that when we really truly, are, truly examine ourselves, especially when we line up our lives with Scripture, we discover that we are completely in the bondage of sin. Still more horrible, after we discover this, we still desire to be sinful. We're sinful in nature. So, I mean, yes, we can call ourselves, oh, that's, that's totally me, but I still want to do it. It's not like the discovery of your sin frees you from it. The man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness is the man who wants to get rid of the desire, not just outside, but in his heart. See, see back then, righteousness was something you did. Oh, I, I'm a righteous man. I, 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 that, that guy wronged me, and I did not murder him. I, I'm a righteous guy. That beautiful lady walked by, and I didn't do a double take. I didn't, do anything. I, I didn't even go over and grab. I didn't try to holler or nothing. <laughs> I'm righteous. And, and Christ is like, Really? Well, here's, here's something for you. You know what? When you got angry at that guy, you might not have killed him, but when the anger started in your heart, in my opinion, you did. Because I look at your heart. So, so when you get angry, you might not have punched him, but you're still a murderer. You might have just done a double take, but you're still a lustful, horrible person because you're full of sin, and I can see your heart. And you're like, oh, you mean I can't play this? Righteousness isn't a game? Righteousness isn't something I put on and wear? 
I can't shine it up and go bragging in front of my friends. Christ's like, no. I don't really, I'm not worried about your, your, your outside because once I know who's in you, me, your outside's going to match that. Righteousness. Wow, that's, that just blows me away. We must long to be delivered from our sinful nature. And we must hunger and thirst to be, to be, to be cleansed by God's righteousness. To sum it up, really, hunger and thirst after righteousness is the desire to be free from all the horrible manifestations of sin. The man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness is the man who wants to exemplify the Beatitudes in his daily life. He's the man who wants to show the fruit of the Spirit in every action and in the whole of his life and activity. To hunger and thirst is to long to be like the New Testament man, the new man that's, that's, that's in Christ Jesus. It means, the ones, it means that one's supreme desire in life is to know God and to be in fellowship with him. To walk with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Basically, the man that hungers and thirsts after righteousness is the man that hungers and thirsts to be like Christ. That's it. You know, we look at Christ and we see, you know, his character. We see how he was on earth. How he interacted with, with, with all, of, all, all of the fellow, fellow men and women. How, 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 how he lived with them. How he communicated. How he cared. How he loved them. How he dealt with his enemies. According to New Testament, the New Testament, we've been born again and have been fashioned anew after Christ's pattern and image. The man, therefore, who hungers and thirsts after righteousness is the man who wants to be like that. Bottom line, it's the man that desires and the woman that desires to be like Christ. The thing about Christ is, let me back up. The Bible has a constant theme for appetite. If you look at, if you look at Scripture, there's a continual appetite theme. Christ knows our human walk. He hungered. He thirsted. When, when he was out fasting before he started his life mission, he was fasting and praying. And his first temptation, why don't you make a, a meal here? And what did Christ say? Man should not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. He knows what it's like to hunger. When he met the woman at the well, he said, the water you're going to draw up, that's gonna, you're going to have a sip, but you're going to thirst again. But the, the water I offer is living water. He's our bread of life. Basically, Jesus is saying, seek me and find your righteousness in me. And the happiness you are seeking, I will satisfy. And let's be clear, happiness in this context is not the happiness that we define. Because what you may say is happiness to you may not actually be what I say is happiness to me. See, happiness isn't that at all. Happiness is when you and I are standing in God's approval. It's when I'm in his ultimate will and I have his ultimate joy. That's the happy place that we need to be. And that's what we find when we seek his righteousness. I'll be real. I'm, I'm kind of tired and I'm tired right now, too. But I'm tired. I'm 35, and I have been trying to fulfill my happiness for 35 years. I'm spent. I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm, I'm tired of, 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 of finding some new theme 
to say, oh, this is going to bring me happiness. Only to be let down almost immediately. I'm tired of that puzzled feeling I get to try to find some, some new theme to quench my, my desire for happiness. You know, are, are, are you guys tired of that? See, we, we weren't meant to define and create our happiness. But yet, that's the biggest trick we've fallen for. I'm, t- I'm tired of that. When we hunger and thirst after righteousness and not hunger and thirst after a place or an action or a thing, but hunger after Christ, it's a guarantee we will be satisfied. Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, satisfaction, and redemption. Christ is the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same tomorrow. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after Jesus, for they shall be satisfied. For more information, visit Relevant316.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope you have a wonderful day, and God bless.